Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of the Baby Metal Podcast. It's July 29th, 2019. The podcast is a place where we gather on alternate weeks to discuss news and thoughts on the past and future projects of Baby Metal. We invite you to join us, whether you're a longtime fan or have only just arrived. I am Paul, and I am joined by Kevin. Hello. And Garrett. Hello. So, welcome back, everybody. Um, the, the news is much less this time. Uh, but we have some, so we will talk a little bit about that. And then, as promised for, I don't know what, like a month and a half or something, we will actually talk a little bit about uh, interviews that Coba Metal has done. Perhaps that will be interesting. We, we will see. A little experiment. But, uh, so I guess the first thing to talk about is that we have gotten some actual promo videos now. Um, just like we remember from the the ancient past. So... We have one for the USA shows and one for the Super Slippa uh, Festival. So, what do you guys think? Do you have tickets? <laughs> I now have. Yeah, I do. But uh, <laughs> if I didn't, that would have done it. Oh, it's so good. It's so good to be back in a place where we get content like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you know, it's what, 20 seconds or something like that. It's a super short, but... Uh, Still, still very worth it. It's amazing how motivating that is to spend money. Yeah, yeah. Don't get nothing like that for what almost a year, and then we start getting a new one every other week. Pretty great. Yep. Yeah. It is. It is very nice. Uh, we so when we got so we got this one, you know, the the high USA, you know, uh, at least, at least we actually you know have something addressed to the USA fans to get them to buy tickets. One thing I don't know is who's going to see this? I mean, like we're all going to see this because we're watching everything, <laughs> but we already have tickets. So I don't know. Sure. Now you have an opportunity to get more tickets. Right. But I guess I wonder if, um, if anybody out in the larger world, like, I mean, so the, the point is, uh, I would think that there are people who, you know, remember baby metal, but have kind of forgotten, you know, it's, they've gone on with their life. They haven't been following as closely as we have. And this has to get into their line of sight. <laughs> in time for them to buy the tickets. So hopefully well, it, get, it does. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. going to aggregate across multiple platforms, right? That's the whole beauty of social networking and hashtagging things. It'll still reach new people. Mm-hmm. Cause you're, you're, you will like it. A friend will see that you liked it. They might like it. Who might like it. And you know, and then it just propagates. Yep. Well, and hopefully the, the Papaya video is also doing some of that work. That is a pretty, it's a pretty epic looking video. Yeah, yeah, it seems to be doing work. It's at uh four million views right now, I think. Is that right? Something like that? It's pretty amazing. I haven't checked, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean 5. it sort of surprises 7. me. Five point seven. Uh, <laughs> well, even better. And I think the unofficial Shanti video is over a million now. Yeah, That's I think correct. It, yeah. Yeah, and actually the uh the official Papaya video is competing with the Glastonbury one too. I mean, you know, they're both, they're both doing well. But. Yeah. So, uh, and then just, I don't know what it was yesterday, two days ago or something. We got the super slipper one, which is pretty cool. They, they, uh, introduced themselves in Mandarin. Yeah. Just, uh, they, you know, the words they use are about the only ones I know, <laughs> in, in Mandarin, <laughs> but, they, but I can tell that they said, you know, I am, I am, we are be fun to see if they do that for all the different european languages as that time grows nearer yeah that'd be pretty cool um they have a lot of them this time yeah no kidding um i do hope uh, so are they playing um in it's it's are they playing in finland um sweden right i think finland and sweden part of the reason i was wondering is if they could uh if this would be an opportunity for them to use Moi Moi finally. <laughs> but I, and I do hope they do. But anyway, so Super Slip is about to happen. That's August 4th. So that's like a week away. Yeah. Right. I don't know what to expect from that. I mean, I'm actually not expecting anything super different from what we already got from Glastonbury, but uh, still it's, a, it's nice that there's another show to, to you know, sit on the Discord and wish we could see. <laughs> Spoon feedings until the uh, main course later this year. Yeah, so it's it's 
racing up. I mean, it's really not that long. Uh, what is it? It's just about August and mid-September, early September, they start going. So, Well, there's Summer Sonic in there, too. Yep. That would be a pretty great thing to go to. I mean, I don't think I would travel to Japan just for a festival like that, but it looks like it would be pretty cool to be at. I would have done last year's Summer Sonic. That would have been pretty fun. I, I know somebody who went out there for basically the weekend. Um, Baby Metal followed directly by Foo Fighters would have been pretty spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I I think if I were going to go to Japan, I would need it to be a little longer than just a couple days. <laughs> I'm a little worried oh, about on. that. In the um, For the 10-10-2020 the event. Because that's... What, or, or why are you worried about that? Well, if I wanted to go, uh, I think it's at a, at a time when I could really only go for just like a couple days. <laughs> well, I think um, you want to go. Well, I guess it's true. I, there's no there's no <laughs> question that I want to go. But anyway, so okay, so we're we're returning a little bit to the the glory days of 2016, where we have all the little the little show videos. Hopefully, those will keep happening. Uh, the next big thing that I think. Um, you know, that we should mention is that we got some Legend M in-ear monitor recordings. Yeah. So that was pretty wild. I was pretty excited to hear, like, straight raw Sue vocals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the Shanti ones were particularly good. Starlight, yeah, incredible. I was a... So we, had, so we have... um We have Shanti, we have Starlight, and we have the... Like, some of the intro stuff from Legend M. And it's pretty clearly Sue's in-ear monitor because it's she her voice is very high in the mix. Um and it's clearly an in-ear monitor because we have the cut the counter, right? Yep. It was cool to hear Shanti because you could hear the vocal gymnastics that she's doing, that Sue's doing. Uh they really are amazing. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. You know, if you're ever looking for content to really showcase her range and talent to somebody, play them that because it's just impressive. Yeah, I don't care if you're a fan of the band or not. You know, she absolutely crushes that song. Um, and it's not an easy song to sing, as you can tell by listening to the uh, this inner monitor recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, there's, al- there's always this kind of like vague question of, well, is it, are they singing? Is this on the backing track? You know, Glastonbury was terrible because they had the backing track so loud and in a lot of it, you know, so that you like Sue's mixed pretty low. Um, that seemed to be fixed in Shanti. Uh, but, but, you know, there's still always this kind of question, like, like to what extent is, is this real? And the inner monitor tells us like, this is absolutely real. She can absolutely do this. Yeah. And she's doing it while dancing, which is, you know, doubly impressive. Mm -hmm. Like you can't hear her movement in her voice, which is really hard to do. Yeah. No, I was listening well, there's a couple. We have a couple of in-ear monitor recordings. So these these are the new ones. Um, there was there were a couple of there were a couple of other ones. There's an, there was a new one that I new one to me uh, from 2016 White Mass in Nagoya. That was that's actually it's it's much of the show. Uh, this kind of excerpted a little bit, but I hadn't heard that before, and uh, I was listening to that earlier, and suddenly realized, oh wait, no. She's jumping around while all this stuff is happening. Yeah. That's Easy wild. to forget that detail. Because you can't hear it at all. Yep, that's right. I was definitely more impressed with Shanti uh, than I was with Starlight. Uh, I mean, like, Starlight is, it was fine, but it uh, it sounds better with all the instruments there. I think it's, it, uh, it was, I was a little surprised at how kind of, I don't know, raw, shouty, something like that it sounded in parts. Yeah, it sounded anyway. to me like she struggles with that song at least a little bit. Or maybe that was just a she was having an off night on that run through of it. I don't know. Yeah. But still, it's it's so fun to see behind the curtain like this or hear behind the curtain, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm glad everybody got to hear uh Moa's Legend M intro blurb. Oh yeah, that's true. We hadn't that was the first time we we, you know, out here who weren't there got to hear it great english yeah i hope we get more of it yeah it does seem like we are getting uh 
hints that we will hear more from Moa in these future things. Now, so in the um, chat, Cam Metal mentioned that you know the notes are are pretty high. Um, I think they are somewhat high in Starlight, but I think it's I think it really is something about the power. The there's there's some there's something about it that isn't just pitch um, that's going on in Starlight because the elevator girl is higher. Um, I'm almost certain. I mean, I haven't I haven't hundred percent checked that, but I'm almost certain that her that elevator girl is the one that I feel is really pushing the top end of Sue's range. It's in a difficult place in the set list too. She's had quite the vocal workout before having to dive into a song like uh, Starlight, which is uh, mm-hmm. you know pretty difficult to do as a singer, I would imagine. Yeah. So I'm sure that I'm sure that uh, Team Baby Metal would just assume we did not have these to listen to, <laughs> but but um, yeah. yeah, we are impressed by them. So you know, anyway, I'm, I'm glad we have them. Uh, anything else anyone wanted to say? I like to state that, like, I have a bunch of experience with in-ear monitors, and it was, it, it amazes me. Like, you guys are talking about how great she sounds, and I agree, but I'm not used to hearing vocals front and foremost. It really caught me off guard. The first time I heard it, I'm like, oh, wow. And then I've since listened to Starlight and Shanty on that one at least four times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it makes for that great of a, you know, song listening experience is more sort of an an interesting, an interesting, you know, trivia. Yeah. Bit. Something only like our tier of fans would be really interested in, but yeah. You know what I think would be pretty cool? Some enterprising fans should take the IEM recording of Shanti and put it over the Glastonbury recording. Yeah. It would be interesting to see if that, although for some reason Shanti survived the Glastonbury, you know, mixed disaster. Yeah, I Somehow. don't understand that. Well, it's also survived the Amuse ban on everything fun on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Perhaps they realize that a lot of people are watching it. And they yeah, it, it could be. But it's also BBC. I think BBC put it up themselves, didn't they? So. Um, yeah, they did. That would be pretty rough <laughs> if Amuse strikes the BBC. I, you know, I wouldn't put it past them on this point. Yeah. And actually, also people at least speculate, perhaps correctly, that it isn't entirely Amuse's doing. You know that this might be more like Japan as a nation <laughs> doing these strikes. <laughs> Could be. But anyway, um, oh yeah, I guess the one other thing I wanted to say about the in-ear monitors it's it's kind of interesting just to think about the fact that this is how they experience the show. You know, so like when Sue is there, this is what she's hearing. You know, like yeah. Um, Except for those times when she pops out the monitor, which is also very cool. But I suppose it's impressive too that uh, because the music is mixed so low, and at least in the portions we heard, there was only a, a metronome to start the sequence. Really, you know, they they, they keep time yeah. really well with. Uh, I would keeping the backing musicians back down low. I would almost assume that the musicians have a click track going through most of the song. And it's just Sue keeping up with them. I think I think that'd be a lot easier. Yeah, probably. But if you have your own IEM and you hear yourself as loud as yeah. she does in her IEM, you know she's not going to yes. hear a whole lot of the drum track or the guitar track or the melody for that matter in her ear. So she's yeah. relying on basically herself to keep time. And I wonder, I wonder if the band follows her just as much as she might follow the drums. I'm I'm willing to bet there's probably a pretty good dy- dynamic there. Yeah, after all these years, I bet it's pretty uh, fluid. Yeah, though I, I have yet to hear an error. <laughs> you know, like I've I've yet to hear a place where there was a something that the band had to like you know slow down for or whatever. Like usually, you can play these, you can play two different instances of a of a given song next to each other, and they will both end at the exact same time. <laughs> I have. I've heard maggots in a be 20 or 30 clicks slower than it should be before oh really yeah interesting okay um i mean you know certainly they must have some kind of contingency plan you know like if things get off you know we will follow this yeah that's just part of being a musician yeah but you know they're professionals they don't get off often and when they do it's quick to recover Mm -hmm. so there was a on 
the babymetalnews.com site, which is, uh, that's basically Faku, uh, running that. Uh, and he posted the, you know, this, com the, uh, compilation of the White Mass Nagoya 2016, you know, in-ear monitor compilation. And, um, one thing he pointed out, which I thought was kind of cool, I don't quite understand it, but there is a point in that where Sue actually does counting. And, it, you know, it's it's counting that doesn't go out to the, the speakers. It's I think maybe she must have recorded this ahead of time, and she's just serving as her own click track. But but you can hear her count like one, you know, two. Uh, I think it's actually at the, the beginning of Roto Resistance, like right before they start, actually. Uh, I, yeah, I don't remember that, and I haven't listened to it, so I, I'm not sure I can't really comment. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have even thought to listen for it, except that Faku notes it. You know, he says, in that last one, you can hear one of the cutest things ever. Sue counting up at 1740 and 1844 as a click track. Um, so I don't think she was saying it at the time. I think she recorded it ahead of time instead of the, like, one, two, three person. <laughs> right. Maybe they didn't have a Dr. Beat or whatever they're using for their click generator in 2016 and they just recorded their own because it was cheaper could be um could be i'm trying to remember if if i heard the uh the regular you know english click, click track in that but um anyway so that's a lot of fun if you haven't heard the uh these iem recordings then uh go find them download them first just in case they disappear yeah <laughs> but uh oh it's interesting it's actually one other thing that one last thing I was going to say. It's interesting that we have never gotten, as far as I know, click tracks, or I mean, uh, in-ear monitor tracks for anybody else. I mean, all of them have been Sue's. They could all be the same. I suppose it's possible, but that would be, that would, I think it would be a little weird <laughs> for the, at least the drums not to have a uh, more consistent click. No, well, I, yeah, we're not going to hear the commie, but as far as the girls, they could all share the same output. For right. the click track I guess I'm just thinking that tracking. if I was just thinking if they're if they're all like intercepted radio, why is it why is only Sue's frequency the one that anyone gets? <laughs> or or the people who are doing it just only care for that one. That could be that could be there. We have no idea. At least I have no idea where they came from. Uh, they just appeared in my feeds. Yeah. It's not too difficult to do that. With a, you know, unfortunately, Radio Shack is gone here in the U.S., but you could have gone to, at one point, a Radio Shack and gotten the stuff to record this pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully somebody did, <laughs> and is going to be going to all the U.S. shows. Yeah, I got to think, uh, you know, at least whoever did the Legend of M ones has that whole concert. You know, why would you only sample the middle of it for a couple of songs, right, in the beginning? Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting to it would be interesting to hear from that person how they did it. Uh, but I mean, I, I would be interested to hear it, but I wouldn't be interested to pass on that information so that none, no further ones get captured. <laughs> so I guess uh, apart from that, we've gotten a fair number of magazine interviews and things. Um, so nothing super exciting, I guess. But Kerrang had an interview, a short interview. Um, it was it was actually a two page spread. And ridiculously enough, in their preview of the issue, they basically showed the whole interview. So it was not super high res, but you could read it without owning the magazine. Hmm. That was kind of goofy. But uh, and it was it was basically it was an interview with Mohamed, although that was kind of unusual that Sue didn't appear there, as far as I remember. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Um, and yeah, there's actually one other thing that's kind of funny that I was reminded about in the. Um, chat that they also they also sort of picked someone out of the out of the um, audience to give a t-shirt to and uh, the person they picked was Kenji I'm <laughs> so, so glad <laughs> so pretty hilarious so uh, hopefully he will get the t-shirt that he won um, I wonder if they, they realized that they were you know giving this prize to someone who traveled from Japan to go to the show <laughs> but yeah I saw this go down with him on Facebook I think so yeah I'm pretty sure Somebody over here is helping him out. Excellent. He has English speaking help. Yeah, cool. Uh, the other thing that that is just kind of unforgivable about the Krang uh, interview is that they they you know said there's an interview with Mo Metal and they showed this photo of Yui Metal. 
which is <laughs> ridiculous. It was pointed out to them, of course, but I think it was probably long after they were in print. So yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, yeah, it was a, it was a little bit disappointing that Krang did that though, because Krang has been uh, supportive and or you know riding the profit train. <laughs> one of the, one yeah, you the would think they know better. Uh, okay, let's see. So the next thing, the there's an, an translation of the interview in Anon magazine. I did we talk about that last time? I can't remember. Um, I think we talked about the existence of the the interview. I don't know if we had the translation. I don't think we had the full translation yet. So any, anyone want to? I, I feel like I've been just talking. Anyone else want to? <laughs> Garrett, what do you think of this? Did you read the translation of this? I have not. I read the Kerrang one. But uh, not okay. That what did you think of the Krang one? I thought it was pretty good. I only three questions, I believe. Yeah, it was short. I like I like hearing about how much they were excited for Glastonbury, even though I'd never heard of that festival before. But it seems like everybody else knows exactly what it is. Nice to see. Like I never really thought about them looking forward to like a specific show like that that much. Well, because of the English cuisine, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, actually. <laughs> I also did not read the Anon thing very carefully. I, I read through it before, and I'm kind of just really kind of reminding myself what's in there now. But um, I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> Why have I not read this? <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> anyway, go read it. I'm sure it's good. Uh, it is, you know, it, it has um, segments from Mole Metal and from Sue Metal, and and pretty good uh, photo photos as well. Um, oh yeah, I have. I I have two of them sitting waiting for me at Tenso, actually. Ah. But and if I don't hurry up, they're gonna get thrown away. <laughs> I have to I have to get them <laughs> sent here. They've been sitting there for a couple of weeks. Anyway, so that's news, I guess. Um, and then the most recent thing was there's a magazine called Backstage Pass or B Pass, that kind of suddenly showed uh had some sort of had something in them in it. Uh, the July 26th issue. Uh, and it appears to be, if I'm not mistaken about this, it appears to be basically a review of the Yokohama shows. A uh, pretty short, like, two-page thing. I had not seen this one yet. Yeah, this is new to me, too. I think it's possible that this is signaling uh, that we are getting toward a point where it is no longer you know, going to be like a, a news bullet point when there is a one-page interview. <laughs> Because there's going to be too many of them. Is that a curse or a blessing? Don't know. <laughs> Don't know. But um, so hopefully we'll we'll be able to kind of absorb whatever new things come out of each one of these things. But I think that's it for the news. Um, I, I at least had not noted anything else down. So we're we're in sort of like this lull period where no new shows have happened, and you know that's basically basically just you know we're gearing up for the the festival shows and then the and then the summer, and then the tour in the fall. All right. Um, so then the I, I will turn now. We'll see how we're going to experiment here. So okay, we've done a couple of these things so far, kind of like in the in the lull times, looking at some specific topic. Uh, we we looked at Doki Doki Morning uh, at one point. Was that the only one? Maybe that was. That was the only oh, one. Yes. Oh, oh, the graphic novel. Oh, true. That, that counts. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so what I thought would be interesting to look at. Uh, is interviews with Koba about his sort of concepts because he there were at least early on but between like 2013 and 2016 there were some interviews that he did uh, which I think you know it's it's not bad being reminded of them and not everybody read them I think I think uh, I think we did but I mean like not everybody listening necessarily has read them and I think they're it's kind of interesting to see so um the I don't know exactly how to lead through this. I in our show notes I've put kind of like a sequential list of them, and I think the first one that I'm aware of is in Hedoban Volume One from July 2013. And Hedoban, I don't really know that much of the story uh, about this, but they have been a supporter of this group from the outset. I mean, like throughout they've they keep they keep putting, um, you know, they put Baby Metal on the cover. And they do really good interviews and stuff like that. So uh, they definitely have been supporting this this uh, endeavor all along. It's an inside job. 
I kind of think that they must, you know, like (laughs) the editor of Hedabon and Koba must have been friends before. Maybe. So in in the premiere issue of of, uh, Hedabon, they, they, and I should say this, I mean, so generally speaking, this is kind of like a metal music, you know, news magazine periodical. Um, I'm not sure exactly how often it comes out, but maybe every other month or something like that. It's not, it's not super, super often, but anyway so they don't they don't cover entirely baby metal but they but it is generally metal and not idol stuff uh, from the, as you can tell from the name <laughs> but uh so how would you like to proceed i think uh garrett you may have you may have looked at the stuff more most recently yes. among us so uh, the problem is like i and my head's balancing around like as in like i'm I'm thinking of things I read earlier, but they're in different parts, so I'm not sure how to go through this. Should we do chronological, or do you mind bouncing around a little bit? I think we can bounce around. Yeah, I think we can bounce around. We, like Chronological will give us uh, a skeleton to hang our bounces on, you know. but there's no reason to, to necessarily go chronologically. I think there are probably, let's see, one, two, there's, there's something like a half a dozen, five or six, seven interviews or so that that I'm aware of, at least. So. But what was your first thought from whatever point? My my first thought was the um the um song by song breakdown of metal resistance, going through each song and after which one I think it was it's straight up admitted gimme chocolate being written to be catchy and not actually having any real meaning in it. Yeah, so this this is the interview. Um this is from this is the most recent one that I'm aware of. Um Yes. From April twenty sixteen. And that was in uh, Hedabon volume volume ten. So that was a, a sort of special. It was a, it was a special, you know, uh, issue. And I think it had other. I think it had interviews with the other people as well. Uh, so you and Moa had an interview in there, and Sue had an interview in there. But there was also this extended one from Koba, which has this really super interesting property that that he goes through song by song in Metal Resistance and kind of like talks about the inspirations and stuff like that. So uh, I think the stuff about Gimme Chocolate was probably in. Um, well, there was some stuff right at the beginning, I guess, and also uh, Abadama Fever was kind of compared to that as well. I think I I totally agree when they say karate. I can quote um the balance of the song, like being more of a heavy feel to it, but also being kind of groovy at the same time. Comparing it to what did they say, I thought he compared it to another band, but I guess he didn't. Looking at it again, but like. I never really thought of it that way. Whenever I hear a baby metal song, it's like always just baby metal. It's good music. And then hearing them talk about their whole goal of the direction of the song being more groove metal and being more balancey with the, with the guitar parts in it. I don't know. It pleases me to, to know they're self-conscious about that kind of stuff. Cause I never really gave them credit for being that way in my head anyway. Yeah. They're very, uh, Koba seems to be very in tune with what the audience is doing. Um, I mean, we kind of knew that from before, but he mentioned this again in in karate that that uh, you know he was that's here somewhere was observing that the foreign fans particularly seem to like to sing along with the guitar for some reason. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, all right, well, we'll give you a guitar part that you can sing along with then. Uh, which is yeah, that's here. His, uh, so in the translation, it says. Um, all said and done, what I garnered from our appearances at the overseas festivals was that there are an abundance of fans that like to sing along with the guitar phrases. <laughs> you could say that they like to sing the refrains rather than the song's melody and laughs. So, um, so that you know, so I came to think that it would be a good idea to have a song like that in the baby metal lineup. So very I don't think I've ever awesome. done that. <laughs> you, you haven't gone like wheelie 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 or something. Like this. <laughs> oh, I, I'll I'll self confess to that one too. <laughs> yeah no it's true though i don't recall ever how i was never tempted to do this in, with karate but uh <laughs> but nevertheless i i can sort of i can imagine what he's talking about yeah well, here's what you're talking about he was comparing it to he wanted to make it kind of in line with enter sandman for metallica or pantera's mouth of war mm-hmm. well, there's a funny thing in there so um, it's actually right in this, the same part where I was talking about the people singing along with the melody. Um, they, 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 you know, 
we're talking about putting in this sort of like emotional part, sort of at this later part where, you know, it sort of goes quiet and everybody's being rescued and whatever in the choreography. Uh, and he said that uh, in the studio, we, refer, we referred to it as Maria. And I didn't, you know, I didn't understand what was happening there. Uh, and I don't actually know. I'd be kind of curious to know if this was kind of a, a failure in the translation, but apparently Maria is uh, stands for Maria Carey, which, of course, isn't actually Maria. Oh, but, interesting. Um, but that may actually just be a translation thing. This uh, apparently was, you know, it was supposed to be drawing upon Mariah Carey, Celine Dion-esque emotionalness or something. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of funny that they they referred to it. I probably did refer to it as Mariah, but... Anyway, it's super interesting. If you haven't read this, I mean, like, we're not going to be able to convey here as I'm look, looking at this, like all of the interesting stuff that's in this this interview. If you have not read the song by song breakdown interview, and you read no other interview, no, read that one. What's great about all of these is it really shows that it's not random or luck. You know, he's, he's they're a pretty smart group, and he's a pretty good producer. Uh, coming up with all of this stuff you know it wasn't just a random act of music that caught on and was successful um, like a lot of artists I would say um, are this day and age you know there, there's real I don't, I don't think not science behind the word but musicality mm -hmm. behind what he's doing yeah it's it's well thought out but it's not but it's not like you know computed by a marketing committee <laughs> you know right it's, it's right, exactly. definitely artistic but yeah he talks a little bit about um, it, it was interesting to to see a couple of mentions of a couple of songs that existed for a long time before Metal Resistance came out. And in fact, I guess probably given that Metal Resistance came out only two years after the self-titled one, you know, they existed even before the self-titled one came out. What do you, what do you mention? Amore, I believe. Yeah, that one. Um, and I think there was another one, but yeah, Amore was definitely, uh, was around three to four years ago as of 2016. So uh, although, although I think he's, he also said that um, the only thing that actually survived from that early time was uh, the chorus. The rest of it kind of. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, and there's also some interesting stuff in there about, uh, so I guess he was talking about Java, um, and there's this ska part, and apparently, you know, initially the ska part was played more distorted, and they they, you know, moved to a cleaner guitar sound to really just sort of emphasize that. And that was based on kind of the effect that Koba saw seeing it live. So, so there was, so, you know, we know some of these songs were played before the album came out, but in fact, they were played before the album was committed, you know, before the recording was done. Yeah. Again, just shows that he's a, he's a smart dude, you know, love him or hate mm -hmm. him. He's, he's created <laughs> something. And he's doing a very good, good job as of late. Um, Keeping maintaining that as well, in my opinion, with all the new songs coming out, I think mm -hmm. they're only getting better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. The um, uh, syncopation was the other one that was was around three to four years ago. So, as of twenty sixteen. As of twenty sixteen, yes, right. And it's interesting. So, the um, let's see the the what was I going to say? Oh, he. Uh, this is the place where. Or maybe this is not the only place, but this is a place where Koba talks about syncopation being ha having like the most Japanese feel to it. So, and this has something to do with why it didn't make it on the international edition. Well, I don't think it's something. I think that's everything. You know, mm -hmm. as far as we know, the the reason there are two different songs for the international and comparing the international and Japan version of the album. But apparently he doesn't care about that anymore because they played syncopation in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing that is interesting to look at in this this um, interview is that some of the bands that Koba mentions will seem familiar. Uh, so when he's talking about Meditaro, uh, he talks about listening to Teresas and Sabaton. Uh he talks about From Dusk Till Dawn as being close to Bring Me the Horizon. <laughs> yep. So, so it, it, you know, there, one can't help but think that, like, this whole project is just so Koba gets to meet all the people he likes. 
<laughs> An argument can be made to prove that. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so, so already, we we're already we're kind of bouncing around in this in this uh, article itself. But was there something else you wanted to say about it? I mean, we could we could sit here and talk about just this one. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. Uh, let's see what what other things did I? I mean, like so. Um, one thing that that he the very first thing he was asked basically was when when the work work on metal resistance began and Koba basically said effectively you know it it didn't really <laughs> you know it's just we were just like working on songs and eventually they picked twelve so <laughs> there there is somewhere in here um you know some mention of the fact that there are songs that didn't make it you know like some songs made it and some some songs didn't which means there are some songs that exist. In fact, I think some of them were even labeled as being uh, more poppy uh, that didn't make it onto the Metal Resistance album. It's possible that we have already by now heard some of them. You know, I, I don't know how old our new songs are. but um, That's an interesting point I hadn't thought of. Yeah, and I think Sue mentioned this too um, in one of one of her interviews. Maybe it was actually also in this this um, 20, uh, Hedabon 10 one. But uh, that there, there were definitely some some songs that they worked really hard on and then didn't make the album (laughs) so right i do wonder i would so love to just you know get one behind the scenes interview you know that's just the operation just to find out like you know what made what were the decisions because you know they picked 12 uh they i think it was 12 right but you know they just sort of found a group that fit between road of resistance and the one in kind of a coherent way and that was yeah. it yeah i'm trying to find the specific interview but there's i remember reading this a little bit ago it was Kobo stating that he he always gets asked in public which the idea of running into Kobo in public is kind of a nauseating to think about but <laughs> it's really easy if you go to it, shows yeah, yeah just hang out at the mixing booth <laughs> yeah word but <laughs> all he said that um people always ask him if he's if they have the comedy band come in and record the, the album. And that was something I always thought too, but I can't, I want to find the exact quote, but I think he said no along the lines of that. They only appear as gods on stage or something like that. Yeah. That, so that was in this interview there. There was, um, uh, I think it might be in this second part. I, but, I skimmed through. I couldn't see it. That's why I started looking elsewhere. Yeah. But, um, so he, he said, um, well, first of all, he said he thinks of the song and the live performances uh, of that song as separate things. So, oh, okay. Um, you know, and the, and he's, you know, I guess I, I only took sort of sketchy notes here, but he's, he said that the Kami Band members are gods who only descend into their respective roles when we are playing the live shows, you know, so yeah. effectively, and the translator made a note at this point saying, I don't know what this means, <laughs> you know, I don't know if he's saying, <laughs> it's, I don't know if he's saying, they are not playing on the album or he's saying, I'm not going to tell you the comedy band doesn't exist outside the live shows. Um, I think it was, isn't it pretty well known that they don't play on the albums? Like the, I was under the impression that that was pretty known. I had no idea until up until I read these interviews. Well, I mean, I think that, uh, I think it is conceivable that some, you know, some individual comedy band member might play some part in some song. Um, but it certainly isn't. Yeah, I think generally speaking, it's not a coherent group of people that records those. You know? Wasn't I, the uh, isn't most of the first album not real musicians? I thought a fair like I know the drum track. I'm pretty sure on all the right. songs is produced like Koba's laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. Though it, 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 one thing that is kind of I, I thought about that a little bit, and I, I I suspect that at the very least he did try to make it playable you know like yeah even, even if sure because you could very easily if you're just doing it all with a sequence or you could make something that no human could do yeah exactly but then it wouldn't sound genuine you would know yeah. it doesn't take a musician to know that that doesn't sound possible right somewhere along the lines when i was listening when i was reading through these i was kind of reminded of the fact that i really don't listen to those albums i mean I just don't. <laughs> I listen to I listen I only, I pretty much only listen to like live versions of these and it's always very weird to listen to the original 
you know the actual studio things I agree. I actually had this experience like last weekend, not this previous one, but the one beforehand. I was on a longer road trip consisting of like four hours, and I listened to the two released and most of the new stuff on the entire way there. It really caught me off guard. Like, I forgot what a lot of these sounded like. I haven't heard Oki Oki Midnight in forever, and Baby Metal Death seems kind of buried in time right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they sound... Very young, too. Yeah, very. You know, one thing I was wondering about, I I think, I mean, I think I know the answer, but uh, the intro to Fugitsune, I don't think they ever re-recorded that. So, I mean, I think it's probably still, like, you know, little young Sue singing at the beginning of all these, you know, that old Sue sings. Probably. All the backing tracks don't sound any different from the older songs. Yeah. Which is kind of... It's well, how, interesting. How would the community react if they read it all the backing tracks? Like, well, like for like for like Megatsune, for example. Like, we're so used to hearing the version we have now, right? I bet people would be. I bet people would go for it. I think they. Would, I bet they'd think it was cool. I think it would be cool at first too, but I'm not sure if it'd stick. I think there'd be three different camps. One camp wouldn't <laughs> yeah. notice. One camp would be cool with it. One camp would hate it. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, one thing that is different, I find, about Baby Metal from almost anybody else that I have ever listened to in my life is that they are super, super consistent, you know? I mean, like, things don't seem to change very much um, in different instances. You know, you listen to almost any other... Maybe this isn't, I guess most of the people I listen to haven't been like big, you know, mega commercial bands anyway. So, I mean, it's quite possible that mostly Metallica sounds like the same every time you hear them play a song, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but you know, there, there really is very little deviation at all. Um, so, so I would find it actually sort of interesting for there to be some deviation, you know, some, something that changes, it probably will never happen. Uh, <laughs> it, doesn't seem that likely that they would re-record things, although it would be it would be easy enough to do. Uh, all right. Anything else I wanted to say about this one? Um, I kind of I I sort of flaked out when I I didn't quite make it all the way through the second half of the um, this 2016 interview. Recent, I've read it before, but uh, so he does talk a little bit about you know how the one and Tales of the Destinies used to be one song and uh, just various things about like the the groups that they sound like and stuff. Uh, and at this point, at this point, uh, they didn't know that they were going to be able to play uh, uh, Tales of the Destinies live. They were, they, he said somewhere, right. somewhere, I forget where it was, but, you know, sort of like, you know, it would be kind of cool if, if we could do that. I, mean, I remember saying that one was a Tokyo Dome, right? Yeah, it's the only time it was yeah. played. I remember and, watching that and thinking it was just so cool, especially that piano part. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was amazed that they, I mean, obviously in the framework that they'd set up, they kind of had to try to do it, but um, I wouldn't have thought they'd try, and it and they totally nailed it. I would have, I would kind of guess that you know half of the Tokyo Dome rehearsal time was devoted to that song. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because I mean it's really just uh, it's all over the place. I mean you know uh, it's so it changes so much throughout. Uh, let's see, there was something else I was going to point out. Oh, I think. Um, at the beginning, when he's talking about, I think he's sort of talking about uh, Road of Resistance at this point, but uh, Kobo was sort of talking about, uh, sort of responding, I guess, to to a comment about how the girls seemed to be, they really liked the lyrics. You know, they 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 sort of raved on in interviews and stuff about about the the lyrics and really feeling like the power of them and stuff like that. Um, and Kobo said that he. He places himself in the vicinity of the members and tries to get a grasp on what kind of situation they find themselves in, and then wants to come up with lyrics that reflect a vision of the destination, uh, so that they could they could feel that the song is kind of like one that's like their own. Um, and I thought that was kind of cool. Like like he really is, he's at least with that song, and you know hopefully sort of more generally, he is kind of letting them participate in the creative process. You know he's he's absorbing things they care about and trying to turn them into things that they sing about except for give me chocolate which is completely meaningless yeah yeah (laughs) 
I love that he just outright says, yeah, it's all gibberish. It's meaningless. We just wanted something catchy. Designed to get stuck <laughs> in your head and mean nothing. Yeah. Like today's pop music. Well, ultimately, yeah, the, um, uh, I've always, I've always been mystified by that, by the, you know, sort of like backing track part. It's like, how does that, like, too, too late? What, what are you talking about? Too late for yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> it really does feel like it's from a different song. It does. Anyway, well, uh, I wonder if we should talk about any other interviews. This one is the this one is the greatest interview. Um, although I mean, the twenty sixteen interview was at least um later, you know. So after after a fair amount of the lore was in place and stuff like that, but but it was still it's still pretty candid. Yeah, there's some interesting ones from you know like Hedabon Volume One. You know, he talks about how he wanted IDZ to be first. But mm-hmm. thought it was too, too I don't know, too heavy, um, too dramatic. Um, so he opted not to go with IDZ first. You know, so so there's, there's some interesting things in the very first one to read through. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's interesting to me, just because you know that's kind of where all everything started. And he talks about the the beginning of the process, because you don't get to the 2016 interview without kind of the foundation laid in the very beginning right yeah yeah and it, i mean at the beginning i mean in 2013 they didn't know where it was going i mean like when this interview was even you know which was a little after you know a couple of years after the actual events they're talking about but i mean even then it wasn't it wasn't the huge thing that it became but yeah i, th- I think my interpretation of what he was saying there was that idz was it was almost too metal too regular too like regular metal it was it was yeah it wasn't uh sort of shocking enough in a way so sure doki doki morning was a, a a way to sort of like pull in the idle people and then and then you know shock them oh by the way here's some metal <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh but he but he talks yeah there he talks a little bit about um uh you know looking at karen girls and seeing that it was about to end and you know, sort of thinking about thinking in in terms of like in amused terms, like what they what they wanted was some sort of sequel to perfume, you know, uh, some some sort of big act that they could use, and so kind of like locating Sue and and working on this symmetry and and uh, you know and through that getting uh, Yui and Moa wanting the look of twins. Yeah, so I mean, it's 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 like you would expect. It started. I mean, like, there's a sense in which, there's a sense, what a sense in which it started in a way that I think none of us really like. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. That, that it was it was a little bit of a, uh, you know, just sort of a, let's try and see if this works. You know, planned thing that they grew into, but they grew into it. I mean, I, I think that uh, the artistry came through pretty quickly. I'm sure you could tell from the very first rehearsals. Like, hey, we might be onto something here. Mm-hmm. I would think. Well, I definitely, you know, personally, I, de- I definitely f- know that I felt this, that kind of feeling like, um, you know, this is silly. This is a gimmick. This is like, you know, let's mash two things together and make money. And, and then it's like, well, actually, no, this, they, they're, they fit. <laughs> they, they, yeah. you know, they're not, they're not stapled together. They're actually fused. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The, um, in this interview, in the, in this head of on one interview, you talked a little bit about the, um, so there was a, there was a point when Sue was going to graduate from Sakura Gakuin and nobody knew what was going to happen. Right. So it quite, that, that quite possibly could have been the end of Fave Metal. A lot of people sort of assumed, I think that it would be. Um, and he, t- and I think this was basically announced at Legend Z and, and nobody going into Legend Z knew what was going to happen. And they had this kind of countdown and this, this, you know, very, ominous stuff going on and i think this legend z was the one where she ended it by just like dropping her mic and leaving basically you know saying take care of your neck <laughs> didn't uh-huh. say see you just took off yeah uh, it's you know it, i mean even thinking about it now it's just kind of like it's it's sort of an emotional moment <laughs> you know it's like it's like this could have been the end yeah definitely um, uh, it's definitely worth watching that if you have anyone listening to this hasn't watched that you know go watch that and think about what people were thinking at the time you know it's like uh wow 
But um, but Sokovas said uh, uh, about that, he says, you know, I always think detailed explanation is too much. Some things are better left unsaid in both footage and messages. These can allow people to imagine by themselves. So it's just told little by little, more space we make, more imagination. People use this, you know, I believe this scene meant this. So you can you can see Koba's, you know, worldview there. It's like, I'm going to give you these little things that are fully ambiguous <laughs> and let you run And he's them. been doing it for almost 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it mentions something. A couple of these interviews have mentioned that Koba plays guitar. Um, I don't think he, uh, not, not uh, to the degree that he could participate in the recordings. <laughs> He also says that he prefers trickery guitar, trickery, trickier, that's the word, trickier guitar solos more than he likes thrash-driven ones. And that's clearly shown in like songs like Road of Resistance and lots of different albums from back then, but like Ejime Dame's That Die being an example from here. Mm-hmm. I find that, and I always like caught on, but I also find it very interesting that he thought that way too, because does make or break the song depending on how the solo is formatted and if, if you and if a good solo catches your ear and it stays in your ear mm-hmm. yeah the um uh he talked a little bit um also about um oh yeah no actually it was in this interview that i, th- I think they i think they had, if i remember right they had like a sidebar from and i don't know how to pronounce this person's name uh yuyo yupe does that sound right sure um, the the person who was responsible for responsible for Magitsune, um, was sort of complaining about like just the degree to which there was just repeated revisions of the song. He said uh, he did something like thirty six different demos. Wow, that's uh, a lot. Yeah. So that's what it took to get to, to get to uh, what we what we know. Um, maybe skipping to um one other interview. There was uh an in depth interview. So this one I'm not. I don't feel as confident that I know what this is from. This is from something that looks like it looks like it's Ongaksu Yugi Nexus Volume Sixty, and I don't, I don't really know what that thing actually even is, but um, it's a magazine. And um, uh, so, oops, I think yeah, the the actual uh, English translation is on a on a page that says an in depth interview with uh, Koba Metal. Uh, the uh, key person behind Baby Metal. Unless it's Key Koba, key Koba Metal, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but one thing, that it, it, one thing that this interview talks about a little bit is Koba's early days at Amuse, which I thought was kind of interesting. So he worked on media promotion for Siam Shade uh, yep. and Cascade for two years, uh, and then production and promotion for hardcore and related bands for in-house indie labels. So, so he'd been working at Amuse for quite a while before he got into this stuff. So another thing that was sort of interesting about this uh, article was that he talked a little bit about, you know, sort of like the, the process. Uh, so, you know, he, he sort of got this idea. He did some auditions. Um, one, one person applied, who was Sue. <laughs> uh, uh, he designed a business plan and presented things to management and stuff. And uh, then... He he mentioned that he realized that cuteness would not be enough to have this last. So you know, yeah, that and he was really you know he was trying to not do the sort of like traditional idol stuff. You know, no handshake. He didn't. He says he didn't like the handshake events. No MC because the girls are serious and they're better at doing what they do rather than this talking stuff. <laughs> so have them do what they do best. And, and the other thing that he mentioned was that um, he has a kind of a philosophy that like. Once you once you feel like you've found something interesting, just do it like immediately. Don't wait. So I thought it's, it's an interesting sort of insight into his his mind. Yeah, it's easy to, especially now. You know, we I think we as a community throw a lot of shade at the guy. You know, mm-hmm. myself included. And it's really easy to lose sight of the fact that he put this whole thing together. You know, he is. He is really the reason and the driving force behind everything. Reason why we're here, while we're recording right now, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. work without the talent, you know, of Sue doing the vocals and you know all of that. But you know, who's to say it wouldn't have? Another girl may have applied. You know, he really is why all of this exists, and he's pretty. He's a pretty good at it. He's a pretty smart guy when it comes to all of this stuff. You know, and then I think 
we as a community might owe it to just keep that in the back of our minds when we uh, curse his name, right? I mean, as if, often as we do. I do think that a lot of the a lot of the you know Koba stuff is really um you know it's it's really just more about amuse management. So I I think it's probably correct that Koba does have a, a kind of like a bottleneck uh, role making decisions yes. on stuff, but but he really has thought it through. Um, I found I I found at least one of the places where uh, he talked about Gimme Chocolate being meaningless, um, which was a November 2014 interview um, with Colin Mas- Colin McQuiston. Um, but yeah, he said he said something about um, uh, the lyrics of Gimme Chocolate are basically meaningless. It's engineered just for one to enjoy the melody. Right. Um, and this was in that same interview was one that he he sort of pointed out that. Negative reactions are also reactions. So, uh, yeah. at the very least, people are not ignoring baby metal, you know? <laughs> <laughs> They're being heard no matter what. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, um, it's possible that we've, that we've mined enough of these uh, that, that we can, um, you know, we can leave it as an exercise to the reader <laughs> to read the rest. But definitely... Definitely do read it. I mean, we didn't hit all of the things that are interesting in there, partly because we didn't all remember them. <laughs> but, uh, but there are there are a few uh, few interviews that are interesting to read, and I think we had the links, you know, like three episodes ago or something in the show notes. But we'll put them in again. In these, yeah, they're definitely worth at the very least skimming through, mm-hmm. just to kind of get an insight and a peek behind the curtain. I think, and to refresh your, you know, respect for Koba. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get hate mail for that. I know it. <laughs> no, I think you know. I, I mean, he really is. It really was. You know, it's not only his idea, but the fact that he is, um, that he has this central decision making role, um, means really that that uh, he's created the thing that we like. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, we are we are really indebted to him for that. Um, and I think a lot of the stuff that we complain about or or we see people complain about has to do with kind of like decisions decisions and communication and stuff like that through the past year and mostly it's that mostly it's like the 2018 stuff um yes and you know i think it's hard to know it's hard to know to what extent that can be laid at his feet um i think i think some of it was beyond his control as well but and who knows i'll give him some slack anyway He's allowed to make a an occasional bad decision. <laughs> yeah, and I guess we'll see if uh, you know, he can hit it again with a third album. Yeah, although so far, um, I see no reason to think that uh, that he isn't hitting it. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree they're well that. on their way to world domination as we speak, starting with this current tour. Yeah, I am so I just cannot wait to see what we are gonna get. I mean, because it does seem like no matter what, we've got like half an album we've never heard. Yeah. Uh, and quite possibly more, depending on how this stuff, all this stuff gets rearranged. So. Well, and what's amazing to me is all the new things they're exploring in sound. I, I'm excited to hear the other half of it, just to see what mm-hmm. other themes and styles and regional sounds they try and tackle. Yeah, I don't know if we actually talked about that. Um, it's possible that that slipped in between episodes, but they definitely have talked recently about the fact that this the new album is essentially exploring a lot of a lot of international influences you know so we yeah. definitely hear that in shanti and i guess we hear that in papaya um to some extent I mean, we absolutely do we have rap and tie could, yes could, exactly could yeah. that too be tied to like american rock almost could be could be um Kagar- i i can never i can't sure. pronounce it Kagaro. So, uh, i yeah, can't remember it so I, I, Kagero, yeah. there it is <laughs> Yeah, it's it's almost not like kangaroo. Yeah, like Kaga- no, that's Kag- not right. Kagero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, she does, yeah, she does say it. Kagero. Yeah, I can I can almost hear her saying it as, as I say it. Um, um, but yeah, that it's true that that could be that could be. It does feel like it is out of their normal, you know, style. But it could be it could be borrowing a, you know, American rock of some sort. But yeah, I mean, like, there's got to be a, a lot more that we haven't heard, and 
you know, it's fun to sort of speculate, speculate about what they might have, you know, is there going to be a didgeridoo? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're getting, we're closing in on it. I mean, I guess if it, if it really is like a month and a half before the, the tour starts and uh, then two and a half months before the album, right? That's something like yeah. that. So October will be here before you know it. Yeah. So it will not be long. Got to get it. Got to get our speculations in quick because <laughs> it's really too late. So, okay. Well, I think this has gone on probably long enough. But thank you everybody for for joining us in the in the chat room and and I guess that's it for this episode. Uh, you can join us on the Baby Metal Podcast Discord to continue this conversation. Rating the podcast on whatever platform you listen on will help people find it. So please do that. We'll be back here in about two weeks. Uh, we hope you'll join us then. And until then. See you.